0: Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the program. We are your hosts, Aaron and Matthew Miller. Tonight we are going to tackle a topic of truly epic proportions. Just exactly what are the different strata, what are the different species of Nephilim? We're going to really grapple with this tonight we're going to come to grips with it even with things that are stated in the book of Ezekiel that I'm sure no one ever saw coming but with that in mind Aaron jump on here let's get your opening comments and to why this is such a critically important topic because well there are different sets of demonic entities and This truly does need to be discussed. So, Aaron, the mic is yours.
1: Okay, so this discussion actually came up while uh, me and my dad were on our way back home from my college. And we – I just brought up the topic, what is the difference between the serpents and scorpions that Jesus referred to? In Luke chapter 10 is when Jesus sent out the 70 uh, disciples – and they went out with the power to cast out demons. And when they came back, they were rejoicing and asked, talked to, asked Jesus about it. And Jesus said in Luke chapter 10, verse 19, Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will injure you. So this gives the implication that there are two different Kinds of demons in a sense A serpent and a scorpion We do know Serpents and scorpions have this thing in common Venom Very uh, Depends on which Which Of their species you Approach they can be very deadly Poison So really What what is the difference Between these serpents and scorpions Because it seems that Jesus puts them Into his separate classes right here And we see another mention of it in Mark chapter 9, verse 29. When uh, this this is shortly after his transfiguration on the mountain, he comes down and uh, cures a boy who's possessed by an unclean spirit. And the disciples asked why they weren't able to cast out the demon. And Jesus said, according to Mark chapter 9, verse 29, this kind cannot come out by anything but prayer. So with this implication, you can't cast out the demon with, you know, words you can't like like i mean of course jesus had that ability because he's supernatural but like as a human if if you were to like command the demon to come out it it wouldn't respond and really um so so this implies that there's another kind of demon that can only be cast out by prayer and and in addition to this passage in Matthew chapter 17, verse 21, this is only included in, in some manuscripts. It says, it adds, this kind does not come out by anything but prayer and fasting. So also prayer, uh, also fasting is what, what casts out these, these evil spirits. So what really, what really are these two classes of demons? What is a serpent and a scorpion? We know this. We know that serpents are reptiles. I mean, that's that's a pretty big thing. While scorpions are, I, I think they are classified as arachnids uh, because of their uh, their their giant claws on the front. You know, that would probably add up to eight legs as opposed to six, which would make an insect. So the but they they are very They're very different, but they do have the the poisonous aspect in common. So, we kind of discussed for a while, what are these two different kinds of, what are these two classes of demons, what are they, and, you know, like, what makes the difference between a, 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 a serpent and a scorpion as much as these two classes of demons are different.
0: Well, that is a that is a serious question. Um, there are obviously two different types. So, the most obvious would be this. Uh, you'd have to be looking at well, surely some must be from Satan, and the other must be from the scapegoat, the the one that fell, the one that did this deed. They they took wives for themselves. But we must grapple with the second incursion. Now. There is no consternation when it comes to truly biblical experts that address the text at hand, and I mean the Greek and the Hebrew text. Throw out all the garbage, just getting straight to experts on the biblical text. There's no doubt that what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah was something else. They found a catch-22. They, were, they didn't take human wives. They were simply coming down and allowing themselves to be raped. Now, we have this by extrapolation, that the simple fact that the people of the town, it said, Lottie, Dotty everybody, men, women, and children showed up to rape these angels that come down to fetch Lot and his wife. So, we have to address this, that is it possible that this is what the other ones were, that this is a completely separate rebellion okay, uh, we have the New Testament text that comes right out and says that they, they did not protect themselves they did not keep their proper abode, they clothed themselves with flesh, so this is completely two different sins taking wives is one sin, the other sin is quite simply not protecting yourselves and allowing uh, yourself to be raped
1: so this is two
0: completely two different uh, different sin types, no doubt about it. So we have to come to grips with what exactly is 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 going on here, and uh, obviously two different ones. Now I appreciate, and 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 let me ask Aaron this: You put us to the test with Matthew chapter seventeen verse twenty one. You said some manuscripts is that included in the Edito Regia text? Yes or no? I'm not sure. You're not sure? Well, I strongly press everybody to find that out. Because we know all church fathers. Now, No one understands this, ladies and gentlemen. All the Catholics, all the Eastern Orthodox, Western Church, Protestants, everybody knew that the Regia manuscript was it. Why? I'll tell you again, because Stephanos had two secret manuscripts notified as Iota uh, Alpha and Iota Final Sigma. He would not tell the church leaders nor the government officials where those two manuscripts come from. So based on that, everybody believed him. They said, this is it. This is the correct Greek manuscript. That's why, uh, of course, the first English translation... Was translated by that manuscript It is the only legitimate manuscript in English As far as we are concerned It is the Geneva Bible Of course, uh, that's in archaic English uh, To say the least Very old uh, language And should be updated uh, With what um, Well, Aaron and I have come up with a term For what needs to be done We need two Bibles We need a Greek Bible uh, and we need a Hebrew Bible, completely translated. Uh, it would be a didmos of the Scripture of God's Holy Word. And I personally think that all other, all other uh, interests need to be sidelined for this singular issue. We need those those two English translations. Um, I firmly believe that since I was about ten or eleven. I've known that, I've understood that That this needs to be done I've saw what they did with the manuscripts I've saw what they've done with the translations And it's just off the hook So getting back to the point This is key critical Especially with end time Bible prophecy Because uh, uh, when we address Texts like uh, Well, uh, Joel chapter 2 And like I said earlier Most people don't see it coming Um most people don't don't realize and, and understand uh, that this is also in an Ezekiel, and where it's at it in Ezekiel, most of you probably don't realize what prophecy that's talking about. But there, he singles it out to this. Uh, reading from the New American Standard Bible, and you, son of man, of course here we have it. Everybody knows that this phrase. Is only spoken by the Lord to Ezekiel. And of the Lord himself. He always referred to himself as the son of man. So bear that in mind right now. And you son of man. Neither fear them nor fear their words. Though thistles and thorns are with you. And you sit on scorpions. Neither fear their words. Nor be dismayed at their presence. For they are a rebellious house. People don't even realize who this is directed to. All the churches, all the theological seminaries, they lie. And they say that these prophecies uh, are about the exile in Babylon. No, no, that's a lie. And you can just plainly read the text. And it tells you in the opening uh, comments, uh, the opening verses uh, of Ezekiel, that there can be no consternation, that... Uh, he is told illicitly to go to the exiles that are already in Babylon. They're already there. They're in the exile. So this prophecy is obviously talking about something else in the future. So with that in mind, what what could the why would there be one set of serpents, one set of scorpions? Uh, very intriguing indeed. Aaron, back to you.
1: I think so. The first. The first idea we came up with, of course, was that one was half angel, half human, and one was half angel, half animal, or something of the like. Genesis chapter, Genesis chapter 6, verse 12, it says, God looked on the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. So, and then it moves on, then. Then God said to Noah, Then the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. Behold, I'm about to destroy them from the earth. So, that's a, that's a, big, that's, that's a very important thing. Why did God wipe out the animals? Why uh, wipe out all of the animals along with all the humans? You know, uh, as a side to the ones who went on the ark I, I mean, I understand that there's only so much that could fit on the ark But with this passage here It says that all flesh had corrupted its way on the earth So not just humans The book of Enoch says that the, the Nephilim The half-angel, half-human They began to, quote-unquote, sin against the reptiles And the fish and the such-and-such and, such. and then also we we read somewhere else in there in the book of Enoch, it says that the that they that they continue that the angels kept polymorphing or changing their forms. In scientific terms, the the word polymorph refers to literally changing itself on a molecular level. So so when I mean I mean it's kind of horrendous to, to speak and quite obscene to talk about, but a human can't bear a child with an animal. A, can't, a human can't bear a child with a, with a dog or a chimpanzee or anything like that because the, uh, the genetics don't line up when you see the, the, the DNA, whenever a child is literally born, a half, the DNA is split in half and one side of the DNA is given by the father and one is given by the mother. But the the DNA protein might be longer or shorter of another species of animal, so it wouldn't match up with the human. So when it says that the angels polymorphed, it means uh, to me it means that they they literally changed themselves on a molecular cellular level so that they could you know mate with 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 animals because that because that's because it's not very easy to do that, and they probably had to do the same thing with humans. Angels, as we read, were not meant to reproduce anyway; they were not meant to have children at all, so they so they were definitely altering their their uh genetic nature whenever they were you know cohabiting with with earthly beings and, and we all think, oh you know how how horrible bestiality is, but also think about um. Something that's not really stressed about is, is, is how abominable an angel with a human is Because an angel is something completely different from a human Humans, from what we read, are made out of dust and um, the, a carbon base But angels, they seem to be made of, uh, of something else entirely They never came from the earth They probably even preceded the earth's creation so they' they're, they're literally aliens to us they 're not you know part of our world like all the other earthly beings we are carbon based life forms dogs are uh, you know chimpanzees fish birds everything on our in our world is a carbon based life form but an angel would not be so and from my studies, it seemed that they their their base is probably hydrogen so when, when i when we say that then um These beings were, them having, taking uh, a mate of any species was already something completely abominable, and it was probably why God cursed them as he did, and and, um, cast them into the abyss for their sins, and it was actually, from what we read from the textual evidence, what happened to their children, they basically became monsters. This was, it was a sign that this was something, you know, very monstrous, and wasn't going to it wasn't holy at all So so when you So when we read that We, we, we can come to the conclusion That um, The serpents or scorpions Are one of the two refers to The half alien Half human hybrid And one refers to the half animal hybrid In Mark chapter 9 Where I was reading from when Jesus said This kind comes not out by But except by prayer we read that the uh that this evil spirit made the boy mute and it made him deaf and it made uh, it made him a lunatic quote unquote the word for lunatic the word lunatic both in the greek and in english refers to um uh, being affected by the moon this is this is scientifically uh even though scientists don't understand it it's very clear that the that the moon affects animals as well as humans on some level it uh most crimes are uh, committed during a full moon and uh we know animals are uh really affected by it like for instance uh wolves of course wolves i mean i've heard of you know monkeys and fish being uh men, being uh their their behavior changes or during the cycles of the moon, so that's a big pretty big thing, and then it also describes that the that this demon tried to cast the boy into fire and water to destroy him, and we had talked before like 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 um, perhaps you know this, this this demon had originally been been part fish or something, and it was when it cast him into water, it was trying to return to that place so So what are your thoughts on this?
0: Well, I'm going to come right out of the gates um, saying this, that, that that I've studied this a whole lot in the background. This makes sense on, well, on the surface, uh, that one would be one and not the other. We're looking at two different types. And this is why uh, uh, you have this instant here, that, that that what if this entity in the beginning... It was born in as such. It didn't have vocal cords, so this entity would have obviously been mute. It it never had the capacity for phonic assimilation. It, it just didn't. It never had that.
1: Something something that's really interesting that I actually like very recently learned is that uh, dinosaurs probably didn't roar because we, though we have found uh, though we have found voice boxes of them, we haven't found any like vocal cords in any dinosaur fossils. So they think that they probably made more of a hiss or than anything, but they didn't. They didn't have vocal cords with which to speak. Um, from from any of the evidence that we have, I just wanted to put that out there.
0: Well, I'm going to put something out here too. Uh, really what you're talking about is metamorphosis when you say that they they, changed, they were changing each other uh, at the molecular level. This is, of course, in the Bible twice. Metamorphosis is in the Bible twice. You have to come to grips with this. It's in uh, Romans chapter 12, ladies and gentlemen, and 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I mean, I might as well just tell you, this is metamorpho in the Greek. That, that's what it is, so you just have to accept it. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 And do not be conformed to this world But be transformed Right there, metamorpho By the renewing of your mind So that you may prove What the will of God is That which is good and acceptable and perfect Boy, this is a prophetic way If you know If you can see the Greek This is literally a slam on the fault. He is telling us to To conform To To God's way of thinking. uh, And do. What is good. Acceptable and perfect. And uh, 2nd Corinthians chapter 3. And verse 13. But we all with unveiled face. Beholding as in a mirror. The glory of the Lord. Are being transformed. Into the same image. From glory to glory. Just as from the Lord. The spirit. So here we have this. Uh, well, this is a rapturic event. This really is what uh, the rapture event is. It is not a snatching away. It is a transforming. As the word elegos plainly states, that when he gets here, as soon as he uh, pierces the upper atmosphere, we literally, right here it's telling you, you and I, as Christians, are going to metamorphosis into... Uh, are well, most people just refer to this this state as a resurrected body, uh, this 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 changed form that we have. Um, it, and everybody just just can't talk about this. You can't have an intelligent conversation about these things in church because they have no idea what you're talking about. Why would metamorphosis in the Greek, which is that's where the word comes from, it is a Greek word. It's not Latin. It's it's Greek. Metamorpho, that is Greek. So, you should be able to have these kind of conversations, but we have to come to grips that, well, uh, this type of thing does happen by way of uh, well-molting. We know that uh, a lot of animals molt. And we also, uh, that's what happens, well, to caterpillars. You have to come to grips with this, ladies and gentlemen. You you just have to come to grips with it. There are animals uh, that... There are creatures on this planet that uh, change, rearrange their DNA. You, you just have to accept it. That's what happens. So, uh, obviously, uh, us being made a little lower than the angels, they obviously had the capacity to do this. And, uh, Aaron, you were quite correct going right back to the beginning uh, looking at the very uh, uh, opening verses there, uh, when all this happened, the old flesh, uh, there can be no debate. Just, uh, uh, you know, look at what the original Hebrew says. Uh, it says all flesh. That what? It, that's exactly what it says. Um, th- there's no chance for debate when you just... Ladies and gentlemen just just look in the strongs at Genesis chapter 6 verse 12 uh, that is h1320 uh, cool that means all uh, it, it, entirety and flesh that, that that's what you're talking about all flesh literally speaking i mean these two words h3605 uh, and 1320 it it that combination that that phrase means the entirety of flesh And we can go into the New Testament usage of this. It says that, you know, trees have one type of flesh, and this has one type of flesh, fish have one type of flesh. Coming right out and explaining to you what's what's going on. So something is definitely happening here. And this is a very strong case for that's what we're really talking about here. One set, whether it be the serpents or the scorpions, whichever one, one set was the human Hybrids and and in part, ladies and gentlemen, it were these that had the dominion, the other ones uh, which most people call them chimeras uh, because uh, you know people think that they were uh, uh, half human and and, and half uh, donkey uh, as mentioned outright in the Septuagint no no, they weren't ladies and gentlemen, they were half angel, half donkey. They were half angel, half uh, 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 reptile. Uh, Half angel, half aquatic animal. That's what they were. So one set had dominion, i.e., well, they could probably speak, no doubt about that. Uh, They had reasoning capacities, and that's why probably the other ones uh, that was taken from the animal kingdom, they truly would have been monstrous. Uh, I don't know, well... Obviously from the angelic side of their patronage, they would have had reason, uh, uh, reasoning capacities, but clearly there would have been one set that had this, this dominion and one set that did not. Whatever it is that means, and I'm not saying what that means, uh, but the Lord our God has told us illicitly that it was man that was given dominion. So back to you, Aaron.
1: Yeah, so there's an extent, like, um, it seems that the angels did their own genetic experience. Because all, honestly, this is what it seems that this is what they were doing. They were, the, the fall was not out of lust. They didn't, I've talked about this before when, when it says, when they saw that the some translations say they saw that the daughters of men were beautiful. The word for beautiful um, actually means good or valuable. So really, in my in my opinion, these angels were saying that they saw that they were good for their experiments, fertile for their to for mixing their genes. Honestly, this corruption of flesh, them making the nephilim in the first place, was it, it, they were trying to play God. They, they were trying to do what a lot of scientists are trying to do now, like making half dog, half jellyfish. I mean, I've heard of um, them, them, like, genetically altering goats so that they have spider web in their milk. It's pretty messed up. But, like, that's, 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 that's a thing that they were doing. They were trying to be God. And, like, if you read into the I, – I stress people not to read into heretical text, but, but if you read anywhere about um, Gnosticism is that they believe that um, – that the creator god, the Demiurge, was the creator, and he was the fallen angel. He was Satan or whoever. And I'm not saying that's true, but, but I'm saying, like, perhaps that's what they were trying to be. Perhaps they were trying to be Demiurges. Maybe these fallen angels were trying to manipulate the flesh so that they could become creator gods, in a sense. And honestly, that's what they think. That I think they were doing. But you had these first prototypes, the ones that were half angel, half these beings, they were half animals, those would be, those would be the first generation ones. But also, Enoch refers to that the giants themselves were, quote unquote, sinning against these other animals. So they were performing their own experiments on them as well. So you also had a second generation, which would, which would be, you know, half angel, half. No, it would be a third angel, third human, and a third, you know, animal whatever it was. So, um, so so yeah, like gradually, like you like you had a bunch of different species. But this, yeah, like, um, if you re if you really read about like the monsters that are in mythology as well as in um, uh, fossil remains of dinosaurs and other beings like that. You begin to think that perhaps, that this world, this pre-flood world, the antediluvian world, was—it was a nightmare. It was, you know, there were monsters everywhere. I mean, like it was a very, very terrifying place to be. And when God said that the earth was filled with violence, that makes a lot of sense, don't you think?
0: Well, and unfortunately, that's the only thing that makes perfect sense. I mean. There comes a time when it crosses a threshold. That's the only thing that makes not only any sense, that's what makes perfect sense. And, and you get this uh, from, uh, of course, the Ten Commandments, and, and it really does make you wonder if that's why this was injected into the equation. Is this what they were doing? You shall not make for yourself any idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the water under the earth. This, of course, taken from the Ten Commandments. Is this what they were doing? They were making images in their likeness.
1: It's very interesting that that word in Hebrew for for images um, is semel, and it's and I believe that's probably where the the uh, the word the name semiel came from. You see this in apocryphal texts as applied to Satan. That's uh, Satan's real name is Semael, So it's pretty interesting that you that 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 word um semel kind of codes towards you know that's what it's talking about
0: yeah and and we've talked about that uh being in, encoded in other verses of as well that uh well semiel some some pronounce it that way, but uh samil some pronounce it is that a prophetic encoding there of his name well that's that's what the rabbis think uh, they've thought that for well a very long time. So, this is one strata that could be the case. These could be talking about uh, uh, Nephilim that are uh, half-angelic, half-human, and then the other group is half-angelic, half-animal, whatever that means. So, what is the next set uh, that could be a possibility if you have no further comments on that group, but if you do, go ahead and fill in the blanks now.
1: Okay, so we have never found any full DNA of uh, dinosaurs or any sort. They say that was impossible, but we did find protein samples dinosaur from a T Rex here um, early 2000s, and they call him B Rex or Bob Rex, and this in the they did studies on it, and the closest relative they could find was a chicken so um the scientific community you know of course praised this idea that, oh this this points to evolution that chickens are the closest living ancestors to these reptile monsters, and you know even though evolution has no micro macro evolution literally has no proof behind it at all um I think that perhaps this actually is pointing to the Angels, perhaps they actually found genetic evidence of what angels were like. We know the scripture points to them angels being like birds of a sort, and um, the unclean fowls or birds are referred to in Revelation chapter eighteen uh, on the demonic side, so perhaps perhaps like it, like the closest genetic relative to. You know um uh, perhaps this is evidence that that angels genetically appear are a lot more like birds. I thought that was pretty interesting to point out.
0: Well, we have due one instance in the Septuagint of a particular bird being mentioned. Would you like to bring that up or not
1: ah uh, the uh, the abyss yes yeah it's in the scripture um. Yeah. Um I guess we might want to do a separate show on that. I I'm not sure, but like um but yeah, that, genetically it seems that angels are a lot like birds in a sense. I like to think of them a lot like I do about viruses. Viruses don't reproduce on their own. They're not technically they can't reproduce, and this is why a lot of um scientists say that they're not even alive, because they can't reproduce on their own. They force other alien cells like human cells to produce more viruses so i think of angels in that sense like they're not supposed to have their own children they're not they weren't created to have children but they're like viruses in the sense that they hijack other bodies to have children
0: well yeah um yeah uh exactly uh, i i agree with you uh Well, I'm real real hesitant to say anything more. So about that, we we will do a different show on this because you got into the genetic coding of those T-Rexes down in that valley. And uh, when I look at the text, that's what it states to me that literally prophetically speaking, this one type of bird, when they find that genetic marker, what they're actually looking at is the fallen DNA. So, yeah, we will uh, schedule that for another time. Um anyway, so uh what is the different the next set uh, uh the next differentiation that we had what could possibly the serpents be in the scorpions? Aaron.
1: Okay, so the um the next suggestion was that um scorpions were descendants of Azazel and the serpents were descendants of Saven satan's uh five fallen kings revelation chapter 17 refers to the seven heads of the of of the dragon or the beast and five of them are fallen two are uh, one is yet to come and one is so i actually think um the five that are fallen perhaps refer to the same five in is in enoch chapter 69 it refers to uh five satans quote-unquote so these these um among these five so we we know in the the curse of the serpent in genesis chapter three it says that the serpent has seed or offspring um satan himself i, I it is highly doubted that satan himself ever Um, had offspring of his own because then he would be cast out of his heavenly abode and probably be in the abyss. However, we know um, that with this implication, not Satan himself, but um, some of his five Kings did fall. Uh, We did another show somewhere else about um, how Azazel, this actually might've been Azazel speaking and Azazel is among one of the five fallen Kings. um, but um, Revelation chapter 9 uses the same differentiation between serpents and scorpions, because the, um, in the uh, fifth trumpet, the locusts that come out of the, the abyss have scorpion tails, but the monsters that come out of the river Euphrates at the sixth trumpet have serpent tails so the same differentiation is given there so this this brought me to think that maybe the scorpions were were the um the blood descendants of azazel and then the serpents were blood descendants of uh satan's uh kings his other uh lower princes they um these uh perhaps represent the four angels bound at the river euphrates perhaps four of them are in the river euphrates that actually make like quite a lot of sense because if there's four if there's five kings that fallen, and there's four at the river euphrates and then azazel is one of the ones who fallen he he would not him being the fifth would actually be in the abyss instead pretty interesting to point out that actually makes a lot of sense for me
0: yeah that's that's obviously off the hook nail-on-the-head type of exegesis there as extreme as it may be yes, that lines up um, you have four uh, four of the captains bound to the river Euphrates the most important captain the one that led the fall of course in the beginning Azazel, he himself is in the abyss um, so like you said you hook those up. Well, what, what characteristics comes out of the abyss? Point blank. Those have scorpion tails. Okay, switch it over. What's the physical characteristics of what is bound at the great river Euphrates? Bingo. Serpents.
1: Nail on the uh, head. And what's, and what's the big difference between those two? Is that the ones with the scorpions' tails aren't allowed to kill. But the ones with the serpent tails... They can kill. They kill a third of the earth. That's a pretty big thing.
0: Well, let's talk about why. Okay? Let's talk about why. Let's, let's really push the envelope. I mean, let's go full throttle. Just, just full throttle. Okay. What have I already stated? What was Azazel's key characteristic? What was his sin? He took... He took, let me say that again, he took wives. Therefore, on the reciprocation of the event, God says, no, 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 you're not allowed to uh, do any permanent damage, i.e. kill. Okay, let's go to the second incursion. What was their sin? That's right, ladies and gentlemen, the sin was actually in the lap of who? That's right. Especially the townsfolk there in the valley of Sodom and Gomorrah. They were taking the angels and raping them. Therefore, God allows those angels to exact judgment on people. Okay, now, is the top of your head still on? Because I should have blown it clean off. Okay, that makes sense. That is how God would operate. That is why he would let one kill and one not. Okay, let's go back to Genesis. Genesis chapter 6. When Azazel done this, they took wives. So therefore they are not permitted to kill anybody. On the second incursion, those angels didn't actually do anything. They just allowed the people to sin in by raping them. So those people are allowed to be killed. Get it? Yeah, that makes exegetical sense that, that's good exegesis so we do have some side notes here uh, some really steep implications here especially in Second Thessalonians chapter 2 this son of destruction it literally can be coming out in the Greek and telling you uh, that this is the literal son of one of these groups uh, Aaron, what's your thoughts on that?
1: On what part? Uh,
0: well, um, we took a look at this the other day, the son of destruction. Uh, that, uh, for destruction there, is of course the root uh, for, well, Apollyon. Uh, that's what it is. Yeah,
1: and that's a, that's a very, very, very big thing. Um, can you give me the uh, versage there that we're talking about? What's the passage? You remember Second uh, uh, Thessalonians two three? Yeah. I, I... Okay. So so there it refers to the false prophet. It calls him the man of lawlessness and the son of destruction. And that's where it, a very big thing because um, when you read in uh, the Dead Scrolls and in the uh, the apocryphal uh, Ascension of Isaiah, Abiel, one uh, fallen angel named Belial is called the angel of lawlessness, and that's a pretty big thing. Um, the and, and we also see that in scripture sometimes in the Septuagint when the the name of uh, burial is given in Hebrew, it's translated as lawlessness or anomia. So um, the the uh, if you study a lot about it. You, you see that Burial often equated with Satan himself, I believe he is one, one of the satans. He is the one who, um, one of the seven satans, who remains on this planet. He is called the one who is to come, the one who is the um, one of the other that are still on the planet is Abaddon, whose name means destruction. And uh, I want to just. Uh, A hard, pretty hard course study on Daniel chapter 11 with the theory that uh, the king of the north is referring to uh, Belial and the king of the south refers to Abaddon. And it refers to how Belial actually is one of Satan's angels who rebels against him, kind of, perhaps when Jesus says that when Satan is divided against himself His house cannot stand Perhaps Jesus was alluding to this You know, civil, satanic civil war Breaking out So, when it says um, A man of lawlessness And son of destruction That's referring to the two sides And if you read into Daniel chapter 11 Pretty closely, it seems that The king of the north is actually a blood relative Of the king of the south Or Abaddon Whereas he becomes the king of the north through um, through coercion and uh, coercing the people with words of smooth words, quote unquote, and riddles. So he, this false prophet is um, perhaps rather a blood relative of um, Abaddon. He would be, um, he would enter the rule of burial in basically this war. So this is, this is. A pretty big thing because most people think of, you know, the war between he- the angels of heaven and, and the demons of hell, and the, the, you see that in movies and in books and a lot of stuff. But what if the biggest war that's ever gone in the spiritual realms? Fallen angels. What if it was? What if most of the wars that has gone on has actually begun, was not from good to evil, but two evils? Uh, it's a pretty interesting thought for me, but. Um, But, like, perhaps to say One of these groups is The um, The scorpions, and one of them Is the serpents Now, I could say that um, Abaddon represents the serpents Because he um, Remains loyal to Satan And Belial is um, It seems that Belial is the one Who, since since, um, The false prophet Takes up Um, rulership under him it seems that perhaps this is what it means by him being the scorpion him being the scorpion why why the creatures from the abyss have scorpion tails perhaps it refers to they were on his side in the beginning they were on the side of Bilio Bilio is the one who basically releases them in a sense so that's an idea what are your ideas what's your thoughts on that
0: no you you uh you you clarified my thoughts on it um, this does represent another option as to what the difference is. What is our next option for the difference between a serpent and the scorpion
1: so moving on to the next we have the that one is half gentile and angel, and one refers to half-angel and half-promised bloodline. So, so I put half-Abraham here, but we know before the flood, Abraham didn't exist, but there was always a promised bloodline. People always think of the antediluvian people as, you know, there was the Cain's bloodline and then Seth's bloodline. But Genesis chapter 5 is pretty clear that Adam had more sons and daughters than just Cain, Abel, and Seth, he had a lot more kids than that, they're just the ones, the only ones that are named in scripture So, with that being said, we have, um, perhaps the, the, the promised bloodline, um, perhaps those who were born from the promised bloodline were the, uh, serpents, and then the other ones would be the scorpions why, why, well, why I would think that is because of Genesis chapter 3 it talks about the war between the serpent's seed and the seed of the woman, which is ultimately um, a messianic prophecy. It is known among, among theologians as the Proto-Evangelion, or a Proto-Evangelium. It's the first gospel prophecy in Scripture uh, in, in history So it's believed that um, So so If anything the serpents Would be the Those of the promised bloodline The Sethite bloodline that um, Rebelled against God and had Nephilite children Whereas the other ones were children Of the the Gentiles And angels Or just the, that would be the Cainites And all the other sons of Adam What are your thoughts on that
0: Well this is a perfect uh, Turn on your head To the Sethite lie um, This lie that's, that's been propagated that That what men say Is the truth over what the Bible says When that's obviously not the case The Bible obviously States that the angels come down And took for themselves human wives This turns that lie Right on its head you're literally saying that the serpents are half angelic, half children of the promise, half technon epigallia. and the scorpions are the nephilim created from a non-promise people group, i.e., the Gentiles, the nations.
1: Uh, this what do you mean by what do you mean by technon epigallia? But that what... literally
0: that literally is the Greek phrase for the children of the promise. It's literally what it says in the Greek: "Technon epigalia. So, literally speaking, uh, rewinding back in time, uh, literally physically at the time, that would be the children of uh, 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 Seth. Uh, much like this, this other proponent, this other lie states that uh, what that's talking about is the sons of Seth went and mated with the Gentiles. No, no, that's a lie. But this is a very intriguing possibility where we have this New Testament reference to the Technon Epigalia, the children of the promise. And then the others would be the children of disobedience, as the New Testament uh, scripture plainly states. So so this kind of takes that Sephite lie and explodes it into existence.
1: Perhaps this is really what the um, prophets specifically are referring to when they say the uncircumcised. When it says, whenever scripture says the uncircumcised, it doesn't necessarily refer to, you know, whether or not you have your foreskin cut off. It refers to the Gentiles. It's what separated the Gentiles from the Jewish people because the you know, it wasn't a practice of the Gentiles. So perhaps this is what you would call the. Un, this is what the Scripture calls the uncircumcised. They are the those who are half angel, half uh, uh, Gentile, and then the Nephilim are part. Uh, the term Nephilim actually specifically refers to half um, half of the children of the promise, and with that um Genesis chapter 6 verse 4 calls them the then the Enosh Shem the that it says it calls them the men of renown in our in our translations most translation says men of renown or famous men but in Hebrew it literally says the Enosh Shem those are from the promised bloodline and i think it's pointing towards the um how long the watchers were here on this on this earth they were from Enosh the son of Seth all the way to Shem the son of Noah um, who of course outlived the flood
0: which you know that's that in itself probably has people reeling to and fro I mean we've, we've really come up here and, and just throttled their faith I mean they thought they had been schooled into Nephilim and uh, they thought these uh Well, these these entertainment eschatology specialists um, out there, and there's so many of them, uh, actually think that they have been schooled by them. No, no, we're we're actually putting the rubber right directly on the road and then giving it full throttle. We're literally burning the rubber right off the tires here. Um, We're asking the real questions. There is a separation. There is a differentiation between serpents and scorpions what is it, what could it possibly mean so this is the the one that boy, people could really uh, bring the big guns of the Hebrew and the Greek to bear on this is this prophetically why certain groups are called uncircumcised is this why there's a children of a promise and the children of rebellion is this the entire reason why Uh, that uh, the angel of the Lord came down prophetically and had a little chit-chat with Hagar. Uh, What is the
1: significance of circumcision? Because, I mean, yeah, it would be more clean... Like, nowadays, we don't really need circumcision because, you know, we can... um, most, Most men have availability to showers. They can clean a lot easier, but they had... It was a big problem back in that day. So that 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 is a sign. Like they they needed circumcision to be more clean than the Gentiles. And uh, another thing, I mean, honestly, sometimes I really wonder. I mean, like with with the Orthodox Jews attacking the you know Gentiles because like, are you circumcised? I mean, what kind of question is that? <laughs> and you asked if you have your foreskin cut off, and you know, but that. But what if what if the um, foreskin Or circumcision, what if that was a way of God purifying the promised bloodline?
0: Well, it is another sign, okay? Because you have to say, look, son, I appreciate that people run around and say, it's more clean, it's more clean, it's more clean. Really? I mean, son, surely I've taught you better than that. You have to come to grips with the truth, Okay? And I hate to tell you, but Gentiles were running around producing children quite adequately for a full 6,000 years. So people running around saying, yeah, but it's cleaner to get uh, circumcised. No, 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 that's not historically true. I'm sorry, that's a myth. Okay? I'm sorry. People that are not circumcised, and I've had many friends that were not circumcised... And believe me, they never had any trouble,
1: okay well, well, it doesn't necessarily mean they have trouble with being like uh fruitful. it just means that they're you know not very clean and like but like but but what if this circumcision had something to do with the fall?
0: That's what I just said it the circumcision wasn't just a sign for the fall it had nothing to do with cleanliness God was doing this as a separation this is a sign for you you are technon epigelia the second incursion they allowed themselves to be raped but you you're going to well you're going to rape yourself you're going to take your foreskin and hack it off of yourself you understand that's the exact opposite of being raped okay now are you on my page or are we still going to talk about this silly myth about being cleaner
1: that was probably the roughest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> well, that's how the
0: Lord your that's God true. is.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that is true. That's
0: that's how the Lord your God is. He 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 doesn't respect you because he's God. Okay? So, um this is how this entire subject is. And and, and like I said with this entire Sethite lie to begin with, no, no they're lying. That's not what God said. <laughs> okay? So, uh, God is always, I mean, the Ten Commandments, I mean, that, those are the last things on earth you want to do. I mean, I want to be lazy. I'm going to go have sex with everybody. I want to get drunk. I want to be lazy. Uh, I don't have any responsibility. So, of course, if somebody says that they got pregnant by me, I'm going to say, it's not my kid, it's not my kid, and then I want to run away to another state. The Ten Commandments are the exact opposite of that. The Beatitudes are the epitome of the inversion of that so let me say that one more time the second incursion they did not take wives they came down here to the exact opposite they allowed themselves to be raped what's the opposite of that that's right grabbing your foreskin getting a nice you know uh, jagged ed flint and ripping your foreskin off that'll do the trick That'll leave you reeling before the Lord your God. That's what that'll do. Amen? Amen. (laughs) Okay, so uh, let me say that. Make sure I'm very clear with everybody. That's a myth. That's a myth. Uh, uh, Getting circumcised does not make you any cleaner. No, no it don't. Yes, the Gentiles were getting women pregnant and staying healthy for thousands of years. That's a myth. That's not what God said. He never said, he never told anybody to circumcise themselves so they would be cleaner. No, no, that's a lie. I know what God said. And I know what it says in the Greek and the Hebrew. Now, I'm tired of people uh, lying and saying that they're theologians. Well, of course they're theologians. They paid somebody. That's how you get a a, a degree in theology. You pay somebody. okay. And uh, you can literally uh, be a professing Buddhist, come over here, go to seminary, get your theology degree, and go be a Baptist uh, preacher, Baptist theologian, and be an outright God-hater. Yeah, I know what they say. I know what they do. I know what they smell like. And they will say that God said things like this. Well, God told people to get circumcised because it was cleaner. No. Show me the chapter and verse, son. Do that for me right now. You can't. Of course you can't. So, this is what we always have to do. We just have to come to grips with what God said and just try to swallow it. And he said, there's a difference between scorpions and serpents. Maybe above our pay grade. But we are allowed to articulate with our minds and with the dominion he has given us to come up with some uh, probable reasons as to why he did that. But within that strata of data, is not lies. We don't lie, okay? (laughs) But what we've talked about here is, is, well, it is extreme exegesis. It's trying to come to grips with what God said and just accepting it. So, all right, well, that's what he said. Let's see if we can find out some probable causes, some, some reasonable explanations. So do we have any other reasonable hypotheses that, that we've come up with as to what the difference is between serpents and scorpions?
1: Um, the next two ideas uh, have to do with time. So the first is one before the flood, one after the flood. The second idea is one before Christ and one after Christ. We did talk about the first and second incursions. The um, um, One was Azazel. You you did mention that perhaps the other four had to do with the second incursion, and the the first incursion occurred before the flood, and the second one occurred after. So perhaps these serpents are different in this sense. And when we say one before Christ and one one after, perhaps the, the ones after would refer to the third incursion. Scripture points to Um, Giants arising in the last days, whether or not this refers to demons, the demonic spirits, or actually a new breed of Nephilim arising in the last days, I don't know. But um, what's your thoughts on that?
0: Well, by default, yeah, yeah, you brought that up. I mean the separation of time, yes, you'd have one before the flood and then one after the flood, which yes, those would be different angels, so… We have to make a clear distinction there. So what we're saying is is that before the flood was a different strata of time. Let, let me try to relay that to you. Time was perfect. Right now, you have 24 hours uh, in a day, and you have 365 days in a year. Well, that's our time frame we have now. Before the flood, look at it this way. We might have had more or less hours per day, and more or less days in a year. So perhaps that created a different dynamic. We know, beyond any shadow of a doubt, that post-flood, people did not live as long. So what we're saying is is that in the first time, uh, Daniel chapter 8, time, times, and the dividing of time, uh, were these did these make the angelic entities somehow different? Uh, Ones made before the flood, uh, were they able to uh, have, uh, well, just like the humans had longer uh, length of life, uh, maybe they had greater capacity, uh, greater mental capacity, greater physical capacity, and then the ones post the flood, uh, they were downgraded, uh, and they're not as strong as what was before the flood, so it makes it kind of difficult. Because yes, the ones before the flood did have a Zazel as a father, but after the flood, he could not have been their father. So it, it, it's kind of a twofold thing that we don't know: is it the time frame that creates the difference, or the parent?
1: Well, a pretty big well, a pretty big um, uh, thing. Most. Most uh, of people, even who, who who did believe in the the, the in, in the uh, angelic interpretation of Genesis chapter six verse one to four, um, do not did not teach about the second incursion. They taught that somehow one of the giants survived. One of the theories was is that um, uh, that Og. Um, of the of uh, who Moses killed helped either Og or his father, uh, I think they say that his father was Ahiah, the son of Semiah helped um Noah build the ark, so he was allowed to ride on the ark, um and he survived and he allowed the bloodline to survive. They um they correlate this to Genesis chapter 14 i believe when it says that one who escaped quote unquote came to Abraham and told him about the war between the, the the nine kings in the valley of Siddim and how Lot had been taken captive they interpreted that the one who escaped quote unquote was referring to Og because he had escaped the flood not because he escaped from the nine kings but he had escaped from the flood, that's what. The, the the word for one who escaped is pallet in Hebrew. It is applied to Og, and it's also thought to be applied to Michael, because he escaped the hand of Samael in the war in heaven, but that's a that's quite another um, point to make. But I don't know if I entirely agree with that, but I do think this. other There are implications in rabbinical texts that um, there's a theory that uh, uh, Ham, the son of Noah, had taken a wife of one of Semyaza's sons. And um, so, what, just think about that. When, I actually did a, a study on this to figure out for sure. There is a part of a child that remains in the mother. Uh, this is within the stem cells. So, the, the father's DNA can remain within the mother. Through the child's stem, cell, stem cells After the birth So with, with that being said um, Even after the flood Ham could have a child With his wife That was part Nephilim Had some sort of Nephilim DNA And um, Ham's firstborn son seems to have been Cush And Cush became the father Of Nimrod Who became a giant quote unquote In Genesis chapter 10 so I don't know if this is referring to Cush uh, adopted um, this neph- a Nephilite child, or perhaps he literally was the blood father of Nimrod, and um, but because because of this 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 mess within the bloodline of Ham taking a a, a wife of a Nephilim before the flood had allowed um, semi- allowed Azazel's blood to survive. The flood. Through this, um, even the the um, uh, the bloodline of the Zazel could be represented in the uh, after the flood days. What's your thoughts on that?
0: Well, yes, and we we really don't know uh, what went on there after the battle of the ten kings there in Genesis chapter fourteen. But you're referring to verse 13 in the New American Standard Bible says then a fugitive. Uh, this is a very interesting. Um, of course, it's it's the KJV where you get the escaped and there came one that had escaped and told Abram, the Hebrew. Why does it say that? This is what bothers me the most. It says and told Abram, the Hebrew. This makes a clear reasonable cause that well, here we are back to the back to the Technon Epigalia, the children of the promise. Um we don't know that this is very uh intriguing, but when we go back to the flood, the flood literally God said that all flesh was destroyed. That's what he actually said, even though this is uh well, I just have to tell you, I reject this hypothesis.
1: Yeah, like if if, if um I mean yeah, it doesn't. The scripture doesn't say that he that a Nephilim was allowed to ride on the in the ark. That's not really said in scripture. What's um, interesting though, if you read about the names of Semyaz's two sons, um, Ahiah and Ahiah, they seem to be based on the saying in scripture of the name of God, "I am that I am," and that in Hebrew is Ahiah. Asher yeah, So perhaps this this um perhaps um when it says that uh God or uh Yehovah um shut the door of the ark, perhaps that wasn't referring to God, it was actually referring to one of these giants who had the name of God. What's your thought about that?
0: Well, we have to bring up the full male deal. Right there, what you're referring to is that Literally, the rabbis are saying that these two were two sons of Asher, the god Asher, which is where we get the Favahar from. Uh, from Well, it is the god Asher, um, the winged uh, uh, eagle, the whole nine yards. Uh, so that's, that's what you're really talking about. Uh, could God – well, now, then you would be stating that it was one of the uh, – Boy, very careful to say anything about this you're making a differentiation between the Lord God and of course uh, the angels the, the Elohim that this possibly could have been the sons of the Elohim Asher and that's why they named his two boys what you just mentioned um, like I stated I reject that uh, I accept what God said and that all flesh was destroyed in that flood
1: well, all flesh was all flesh was destroyed that was on the earth, but those who were in the ark were not destroyed.
0: Well, you just said that these two weren't in the ark.
1: Yes, I did. I said they had helped. You
0: said they were clinging to the ark. No, no,
1: no. They were said to have helped Noah uh, build the ark, so they were allowed to ride. They were allowed to survive.
0: They were allowed to go in the ark. That's what you're saying.
1: Yeah. So... Um,
0: yeah, I reject that. I don't have a problem saying it. You you can say it any
1: way you want to. I really don't care. The hypothesis that I had that somehow the bloodline right. the bloodline did survive through Ham's wife.
0: Right, because, um,
1: because of necessarily. I, I do not, not necessarily see a, 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 the scripture coming out and saying that, but we do know this much, that can, Canaan, the son of... The Sodomites and the Gomorites, and ultimately the ultimately the Rephaim and the second incursion giants, mm. did descend from uh, from Ham through that. Mm. Well, I'm
0: yeah. I I agree with. Well, I mean, yeah, I understand what you're saying there. I'm just saying that tying this back to one that escaped being one of the Nephilim that somehow was allowed either on the Ark or to cling to the Ark, which that's what the rabbis say. They say that they clinged to the Ark. That's what they actually say. Uh, but yes, the... the but uh, more to the point that the stem cells uh, somehow clove to this, this woman, that's beside the point because uh, if one of these wives were cloven, they were stained anyway. But yes, uh, they could have had uh, these stem cells retained and we we know this happens with every woman every single baby that she has she takes stem cells from that baby so yes that's absolutely uh, a possibility that should be uh investigated further no doubt about that but um and I understand there's there's well that's what we're doing we're putting the rubber on the road and then giving it full throttle uh, we're certainly burning the rubber there but Uh, I understand, I know, I'm intimately familiar with the uh, name of these um, two giants that supposedly cling to the earth, and they are a stem from I Am That I Am, and that's Asher in the middle. And that's why the rabbis believe that Asher's the true bad guy. He is who the Assyrian really does worship. Uh, And of course, that that goes uh, into all of the religions there in the Levant. So, very interesting indeed. So, Your closing comments on that and or what is the next option that we have for the differentiation between the serpents and the scorpions?
1: Okay, so the last one is uh, that the scorpions were the demons that were used directly by God himself, and the serpents were the ones who were used by Satan rather indirectly. in 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 14, God sends scorpions against the Israelites. Also, um, we, we, we of course, see with the most significant of them is, uh, of these instances of demons in the Old Testament, is that uh, is with Saul. God sent, God himself sent a demon to torment Saul. We also see that with um, with uh, Abimelech and the Men of Shechem, God sent an evil spirit uh, between them. So, um, they, perhaps the scorpions refer to the demons that are rather loyal to God. And when when you say that, I, I, I'm very careful to say this, but when you say demon in the original, when you go back to demons, uh, even though in Christianity they're giving negative connotation the originally word for demon or daimon in Greek was applied to not specifically evil characters, but also that there were good and evil, uh, you know, demons. Uh, The evil ones were known as kakodemons, and the good ones were known as eudemons. So, I'm probably pronouncing those wrong, but... uh, so perhaps the scorpions are rather the ones that are, um, you know, perhaps, you know, the lesser evil or anything. Uh, what would you say to that?
0: Well, this harkens back to Exodus 23, Deuteronomy 7, Joshua 24, the, the, these mention of these hornets. Um, you and I have talked about this before, that uh, what are these – I mean, are they really hornets? Um, what is really God talking about there in in those verses? Um, you look at the original languages to see what's going on, and and it is kind of obscure. It's not outright, uh, you know, clean cut and clear what what he's referring to you, to what what these are that he sent into to Canaan to drive the people out. Were these a good type or well, I'm with you. you can't call them good, but they were following god's direction i I don't
1: know yeah well, another thing is um is that instance in the books of kings when you where the prophet Micaiah describes um the lying spirit who came before God and suggested that he would be a lying spirit in the mouths of the prophets so um he this it doesn't really necessarily, it doesn't call him an angel, it calls him a spirit. So, is was this referring to an actually a demonic entity that was, I mean, the most, you know, most striking thing is that he would, was allowed to enter into the presence of God at any rate, but, it seems that he did, and, God was allowing him to lie, basically, and we know lying is a sin, but, um, he, this, This demon suggested that he become a liar, and God used it. So perhaps this refers to that.
0: It is possible, and uh, well, highly conjectured there. I'm not sure how we could get further data for that, and why he would differentiate between the two. But uh, maybe we can take this back to Genesis because uh, he didn't kill the snake, right? I mean, the serpent w- w- was judged, but it did not die. So uh, perhaps we're looking at uh, some uh, entities that, well, they did do bad, but not as bad. You know what I mean? Uh, they didn't. Yeah, this
1: Jesus did refer to there is there is rank and evil not. There are demons that are worse than others,
0: right? So, so maybe these had not committed impardonable sins, I, I guess.
1: Yeah, can you say that? And 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 when you think about it, that that um, were these Nephilim all evil? I mean, that's that's kind of a stretch to say. That I mean, of course, you know, everybody's a sinner, but like, did they? I mean, what if what if a nephilim decided to do good? We don't have much evidence of what that would be well, in scripture, but
0: well, you know, this goes back to all the way back to people saying, you know, did my dog go to heaven? Um, unfortunately, the, this is going to that place. So, so, so let's go back to our original differentiation. Let's say an angel uh, couples with a lion. Okay. there's an extremely high probability that particular entity would be driven along, of course, by its hunger. Right. Yes. So it being a ferocious carnivore, not a little carnivore, we're not talking about, uh, you know, um, cats that eat grasshoppers. No, 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 that's not what we're talking about. Uh, A lion exclusively is a savage hunter. Uh, high probability he's going to, or it, rather, it will commit heinous crimes. But if you get, uh, now let's go to the other side, and this goes back to the infamous debate between the difference between a leviathan and a behemoth. Now let's go to a beast, uh, well, let's say a cow. Let's say a angel couples with a cow. Well, that cow's obviously not going to kill anybody, right? It's not a carnivore, correct? Yes or no? I mean, we might as well just let the rubber hit the road. So looking at it in that light, it is very probable that, well, let's just come to grips with what God said. You don't have to like it. I certainly don't like it. But the Lord our God definitely said there's types of clean and unclean animals which we can eat and the things which we can't eat, correct? Okay, that being the case, you don't have to like it. Perhaps, (laughs) I know this is stretching it, but obviously some of these uh, Nephilim could have been clean and some of the Nephilim might have been created from the unclean. Uh, 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 making for uh, different types of sins thought patterns you just have to accept it I mean there's some things that that God says you just have to come to grips with he said it for why are there unclean animals I don't know I do know that he said uh, here's some unclean animals and he gives you several lists several different times you just have to swallow it so what happens if uh, and of course what would these bad boys would have done That's of course the first thing what they would have done. They would have gone after anything that he thought was an abomination or unclean and they would have frolicked with that type of evil first. Okay? So we don't understand what that could have meant but just using the simple uh, simple example of what would a carnivore nephilim be like and a non-carnivore nephilim be like. They would certainly be more well they would be more than we are that's for sure but um, as far as their lust and their desires I mean a carnivore has pretty serious drives for bloodshed and doing all manner of uncleanly things they most certainly eat the blood okay so here we have an example of this is one type that you know (laughs) Was a carnivore and one not. I I don't know, but it is plausible. This this is plausible, uh, reasonable conclusions that uh, that you've made here. That it's 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 quite possible. So Aaron, back to you.
1: That's all I got.
0: So that is the that's the end of our options. We have no more options.
1: I do, but, you know, thinking over them, I don't think they're really possible, so.
0: All right, well, we'll put that as a footnote then, won't we? So, uh, I'm sure we've really blown people's (laughs) minds tonight. Uh, But this has to be done. It really just has to be done. These things have to be talked about. God meant something. He, He was most certainly talking about something. And... That's just the the fact of the matter. I will say this, that I will add one of my own that I've been thinking about since Aaron and I had this conversation. The simple fact that one group may, of course, be insects. Literally speaking, the serpents may really have meant Nephilim made from the animal kingdom. And scorpions literally meant animals from the insect kingdom because everybody knows insects do not have vocal cords they don't they make sounds with their exoskeleton that's a fact that's a fact and Aaron and I has talked about this before what would be the most seriously deadly creature under creation well everybody knows you take an insect you make it huge, and I mean huge, Um, you make a 10-foot scorpion, uh, you're going to have to have armor-piercing rounds to kill it because its exoskeleton would be seriously tough. I'm I'm sure that you're all getting where I'm going with this. If you took an ant the size of a dump truck, that would be some serious exo-armor. I don't know how you would stop such a creature. I mean, an ant the size of a dump truck, how much could it lift? How fast would it go? I mean, it makes me think of the uh, infamous silver ant that lives in the Sahara. The fastest creature on the planet per size. I mean, just just, just look at these creatures. Uh, they have been crowned with silver, literally. And they're able to stay out in the noonday Sahara Desert up to 10 minutes because their exoskeleton reflects most of the light so absolutely mind blowing uh, creatures there what would happen if the Nephilim decided or the Angelic uh, decided to mate with the Silver Ant it would create an unstoppable entity um I need to put that as a footnote The Lord our God is called the Lord God of Hosts. That's his primary title Is Lord God of Armies It's very well possible that this is what they were really doing Not only were they making images of themselves They were building an army Even as the Lord their God has an army So if you really did want to make an unstoppable army You would use the insects to create No doubt about it Um So those are my closing comments, Aaron, Uh, my last P.S., I guess. So your closing comments, Aaron, please.
1: Well, definitely some interesting talks right there, Um, 80% speculation, (laughs) but, you know, got to do this, so –
0: well, why don't you uh, bring everybody up to speed on uh, what you're doing in school, how that's going, and uh, that type of stuff. And then give your, farewell, your farewells, because I don't know how we're going to, you know, how many more Christian conspiracy theories we're going to be able to, to get uh, while you're in school. So uh, give us an update. Give us an update, please.
1: So I finished my first semester in November. Um, I'm going back in January, uh, second semester. Um, my grades were pretty good. So, um, I, yeah, uh, hopefully can get back to Enoch. I've been, you know, going back to forth, back and forth, looking at it and, um, hopefully I can get back to working on it soon and. Get it as published as soon as possible, um, and yeah. Uh, well, it was good talking with you. Uh, hopefully, you can do another one soon. Uh, may the Lord be with you. Bye. All
0: right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you can of course find me by searching uh, Matthew Miller forty uh, nine. That's what the Facebook page is. That's what the Twitter and the Tumblr account is. Matthew Miller forty nine. Um. You can uh, contact uh, me at, uh, according to the scripture, at mail.com. Or send me a Twitter message or Facebook message, good ways. If you want to uh, me and Aaron to address any fringe topics, send us uh, an email. Send us a message. Uh, Hook up with us. We will most certainly uh, entertain your question, no doubt about it. But, uh Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, God bless, Godspeed.